Hello everyone, it's Russell Venosi, back for another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. We've been off for two weeks, but hopefully this episode was worth the wait. Our guest is DCA football coach Paul Wade, who has had a crazy 2020. Coach Wade and I discussed the tornado damage his team's stadium suffered in March, how the Wildcats have come together since then, and what they need to do to get to Cookville. After that, I give my mid-state football picks for week 11. Here we go. We are joined now by DCA head football coach Paul Wade. Coach Wade, thanks for taking some time to chat today. Thanks. Appreciate the opportunity. Coach, 2020 has been quite a ride for, for your school and your team. I know in March, the tornadoes that rolled through Nashville caused millions of dollars of damage to your field and your school. Um, and like a week later, the pandemic hit. Um, now your team is undefeated and you're playing in, in a renovated stadium. How much of a whirlwind has this calendar year been for you guys? Uh, that's to say the least, a whirlwind. Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been uh, uh, exciting. Uh, it's also been miserable. <laughs> uh, we, we've, I guess with everything that's happened, uh, you know, we've kind of gone through a full, uh, as you put it, whirlwind uh, of emotions as well. Uh, from being really excited about the opportunity to get to play and having some new stuff or renovated stuff, and then also the uh, disappointing and uncertainty of of COVID and, and everything that goes right along with that. So it's been uh, it's been up and down, but we're hanging in there. And, and truth be told, uh, to get to week ten, uh, I didn't really see us getting this far. So uh, uh, that part's real exciting. Yeah, it kind of feels like everything from here on out is gravy. Um, but, but I know, you, so your stadium, Ken, Ken Redmond Field, um, sustained pretty heavy damage from that tornado. Um, can you kind of detail for us exactly what was damaged and, and what you guys have fixed um, now? Sure. Uh, well, just about 360-degree fencing uh, was destroyed. Uh, the fencing all on the, all on the bleachers uh, was destroyed. Uh, the visitor's bleacher, which sits along the Stones River, uh, most of the actual bleacher seats were ripped off. Uh, the good part is the, the bleachers itself is old school, uh, uh, 19, uh, late 70s, early 80s concrete. So it, it, it didn't move much, but the, the stuff that was attached to it uh, took a good hit. It lifted our press box off the visitor's uh, side and placed it uh, about 10 to 15 yards out into the field, right about the 50-yard line, uh, destroyed it, I mean, in, in millions of pieces. Uh, both goalposts were, uh, one was completely ripped down and one was severely bent. Uh, the, goal, the the scoreboard and its iframe beams were bent like toothpicks. Uh, the field received enough damage from the uh, wood and glass from the press box and from other debris from around the campus embedded in the turf that uh, the, the three to four inches of the turf surface were completely ripped up, uh, laser graded and new sod placed down. Uh, the, uh, the visitor center slash concession stand had its roof completely sucked off along with a lot of the uh, uh, concession stand and bathroom and storage uh, stuff that was in it was uh, totally destroyed. Uh, luckily, when that was built because of the floodplain, those walls were poured with concrete. So the walls didn't sustain any damage, but everything that was attached to it obviously did. And that's just, that's just football. Uh, all four light poles 
the whole lighting system for the entire campus, football, baseball, soccer, and softball fields were destroyed. And uh, that, that's, just, that's just football. I mean, the, the entire baseball complex, bleachers, backstop, uh, batting cage, uh, bleachers, press box, all destroyed. Uh, the soccer dugouts and fencing and goals there were destroyed. The softball bleachers, uh, backstop, dugouts uh, were completely gone. I mean, no, no, no sign of them anywhere. And it also, their, their field also received enough damage that it was actually uh, ripped up, laser graded, and new sod was put down on it uh, this past week. Uh, so there's still a lot to do on the athletic fields. Baseball hasn't been touched yet, but uh, uh, football, uh, back to that original question, the press box is just about completed. Uh, we decided to have it uh, stick frame built instead of buying a prefabbed one. Uh, so we bumped bumped into some uh, some problems with construction along the way, but it's it's workable, but it's not completely uh, done, but it's, it's good enough to, to host a uh, football game. So despite all of that, you're able to play games on that field now, and your team's playing really well on that field and on every field that you've been on. Uh, I've seen that all eight of your wins have come by at least uh, two scores. Have all these difficulties you guys have faced this year, do you think that's kind of brought your team together in any way? That's a good question. Our uh, our motto this year, stack word, whatever you'd like to call it, is uh, one heart. And uh, after what we went through back in March and not knowing what the future looked like and then going through the pandemic era and then coming back into football and not knowing how long it was going to last. You know, I knew that we were all going to be on the same page. And if you will, beating is one heart. And uh, so that's definitely pulled us a little bit closer. And then the fact that, you know, we've lost some kids along the way uh, to, uh, to the 14-day to the, uh, quarantine, quarantine that other kids have had to step up. So that's kind of pulled us a little bit closer. And then the fact that we know that at any given time, you know, whether it's internal or whether it's by way of the state or the health department it can be taken away that's also helped us pull a little bit closer together and you're right we have been fortunate enough to uh uh, to use that uh, mentality and effort on the field on friday nights and uh, so far it's paid off well and you took over at dca two years ago in 2018 went 0 and 10 in that first season and now you're one win away from completing an undefeated regular season. What has been kind of the key to turning the program around and kind of, I guess, doing things your way here in, in 2020? Well, well, thanks for reminding me about that two years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I guess the biggest turnaround is uh, the kids learning football. Uh, when I got here, uh, because of some of the large senior classes that had come through the previous years, uh, there was nothing left but a JV roster. I mean, it was even even joked about by uh, my buddy Murphy Fair when I sent in our survey. Uh, he asked me if this was a JV squad. Uh, we started that. We started that first game uh, in in 2018, and of the starting 22 spots on the field, offense and defensively, only one kid had ever played in a varsity game, and that was on a kickoff team. There was another kid who had played a backup role and had gotten a few reps, but nobody had started a varsity high school football game. Uh, for for seven guys, seven or eight guys on both sides of the ball, that was their first uh, real, uh, uh, I guess, uh, experience of high school football because they had never played 
nor played in a JV game. Uh, so that's what we were dealing with. So uh, to bounce, bounce forward a little bit to, to, to 2019, uh, things started coming together a little bit. We found out what we could and couldn't do schematically. Uh, we added a few kids here and there, whether it was new kids to the school or kids walking the halls. And we were able to put together a pretty nice roster for a school our size. And the kids started buying into what we were doing. But not necessarily what we were doing just in football, but what we were doing as far as strength conditioning was going. And, and, and just the mindset of being a, uh, a hard-nosed, tough high school football player. And then forward into this year, and then obviously like we've already talked about, all the situations that we've had to deal with. Uh, even though some people ask us or have asked me, uh, do we have a, a veteran experience squad? Well, except for just uh, going through some of the kids a miserable year two years ago to uh, to, to kind of putting our, our, our stamp down a little bit last year. I mean, we still we start four sophomores and one junior on the offensive line. Uh, we've only got five seniors on the team. Uh so I guess you can say that, that the underclassmen ha- have supported, uh, if you will, this rebuild uh, to help these seniors go out on a uh, on a good note. And one of those guys that's playing really well for, your, for you right now is uh, John Lewis. I saw that he rushed for over 200 yards and scored four total touchdowns and a big win over Grace Christian last week. Uh, you said after the game that he should be a Mr. Football candidate in Division II single A. Uh, what makes him so good? Uh well, first of all, he, he's just a high-character kid. Uh, he comes from a good family. Uh, he, he, he's a kid that everybody knows. He's uh, he's very humble. And, and, you know, I think kids who kids who excel on the field a lot of times uh, at school our, schools our size, you know, there's got to be a little bit more to them than, uh, than just being a good athlete. And I think John uh, – uh, uh, John demonstrates all those characteristics that we'd like for, for a DCA kid to have. Uh, as far as football goes, uh, he's extremely talented. The growth that he has gone through uh, with his work ethic the past uh, three years is uh, is it, something that, that, that I could probably rank up there in the top three or four kids uh, of the 29 years I've coached, the many schools I've coached at. Uh, uh, he, he gets it. He understands what it takes. Uh, when football is not in session, uh, to be prepared for when football does get here, and uh, and obviously his quickness and his speed uh, and his nose for the football has uh, has been demonstrated this year on Friday nights for him to gain some uh, publicity. You know, and John would probably say the same. I don't think his stats would look as uh, uh, as nice as they do if it wasn't for uh, some of his uh, supporting cast, but he definitely is our leader. And, uh, you know, kind of as John goes, we go. We, we haven't had a 200-yard rusher around here in a while and uh, probably would have had a lot more than that had we continued. He only did it on 11 rushes had we given him the ball two more times. And uh, there's a few games this year that he hardly ever, hardly even touched the ball because the games were so out of hand so fast. Uh, and and, and we're, we're not worried about stats. We're worried about where we finish the end of the regular season uh, for the playoffs. Uh, but John's the, the epitome of a, of a hard-nosed, hard-working uh, high school football kid. And another one of those leaders, along with John, is quarterback Bradford Gaines. He's thrown for about almost 1,000 yards now and 14 touchdowns. And his last name might be familiar to people that have followed Nashville area football 
um, over the years. His father, uh, Brad, and three uncles played at the old DuPont High School, and Brad went on to play at Vanderbilt. Um, and his uncle, Greg, spent eight years in the NFL. Uh, what do you make of the job that the youngest Gaines has done leading your offense this year? Uh, Brad has done a great job for us. Uh, uh, Brad and I joke every day. Brad and I grew up together, played high school ball together. I've known him all the way back since elementary school. Uh, but we uh, uh, we have we have, I guess, taken uh, Brad's abilities and uh, kind of did some things around our offense for him. Uh, Brad's a little bit different athlete. Uh, I guess I'd say Bradford is a little bit different athlete than his dad was. Uh, his dad could have played quarterback, fullback, tight end, running back. He could have played whatever position that, that you stuck him at, in which we often did in, in high school. And, and it was probably utilized as well at Vanderbilt, the many different positions on both sides of the ball that he played there. Bradford, on the other hand, is a, is a quarterback. That, that's what he is. Uh, I'm not sure he would fit into our scheme uh, on either side of the ball at any other position. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just to say that he's a quarterback. He's, he's a, a typical prototype uh, uh, pro-I quarterback. He does real good with play action. Uh, he hides the ball real well, and he, and he runs our offense. We haven't, we haven't asked him to, to get into too many uh, two-minute drives to save the game for us. We have executed it a few times in games and he's done a great job but then again brad's very new to this he's only a junior uh this is his first start the, the last two years uh he's backed up a kid uh who's now playing uh, division three football up in chicago and uh bradford just didn't have a lot a lot of experience and unfortunately because uh we weren't very good that, that first year he didn't gain much experience as a as a junior I mean, as a freshman, and then last year as a sophomore, uh, he, he only came in in, in, in mop-up action roles, uh, whether we were winning or, or losing big. Uh, so this was really his first go-around. So for what he's done and what we've asked him to do, he, he's done a great job for us. And I'm sure you need no reminder on this either, but uh, Division Two single-A football seems to run through Davidson Academy right now. I know they'll move up next year to double-A, but they've won the last two state championships and knocked you guys out of the playoffs last year. Uh, but this year, DCA and Davidson Academy are going to be on opposite sides of the bracket. You guys have both clinched first-round buys. Um, would you welcome a chance to meet them in Cookville? Well, you know, I would welcome uh, an opportunity to face anybody in Cookville, uh, right. no matter who it was. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Davidson uh, and Coach Quinn and guys have done a great job. Uh, you know, I pride myself on the fact that uh, the first three state championships they won, uh, I, I was actually the coach there, so uh, I give him a hard time about that all the time, that he's playing catch-up to what I did in the early 2000s. But uh, uh, they're an exceptional team. They have probably a bigger offensive and defensive linemen uh, than most of the people in our league. And, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's Davidson or whether it's whoever, uh, we would love that opportunity. But uh, we still have a, a big game this Friday. And then we have a first-round uh, uh, bye, and then we face, uh, not sure yet who it might be in the second round, but uh, we haven't won that game in a long time here. So uh, that, that's the focus right now is just to, to get past uh, the next round, and uh, that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, what do you think it will take to get over that hump and to try to you know advance deeper in the postseason than, than you have recently? Well, the first thing is we got we got to stay clear of this COVID mess 
it's already hit quite a few programs out there. Right. Uh, secondly, I think is uh, uh, just staying healthy. You know, th- at this time of year, when the weather changes a little bit, uh, gets a little bit co- cooler outside, uh, colder at night. Um, you know, bodies react a little bit differently to contact. Uh, so I think that comes into play. You know, it's staying healthy. Uh, football-wise, you know, as opposed to COVID-wise. And then I think the third thing is is that when we get there, we, we've got to make the most of that opportunity. There's been games that we've been in this year that with the amount of mistakes that we made, uh, we would not win a playoff game playing that way. And then there's been games that we've been in, and, and I would say with how we've performed that we could possibly move a couple rounds deep in the playoffs. So it's just going to – uh, be a culmination uh, of, of those, I think, three factors uh, when that time rolls around here in a couple of weeks. All righty, Coach. Well, fingers crossed that everybody can stay healthy. Uh, thanks for your time today, and good luck this week against Mount Juliet, Christian. Hey, appreciate y'all's coverage, man. All righty. That's been DCA football coach Paul Wade. It's been quite the season for the Wildcats so far, and we'll see how it shakes out in the playoffs. We've reached the second half of today's episode, which means it's time for me to give my Mid-State High School football predictions. Everything has come down to this. We have reached the final week of the regular season, week 11. I'll be honest, back in July, I wasn't sure we would get here in the shape that we're in, but all things considered, the season's gone pretty well, despite all the cancellations and everything. And as of today, and by the time you listen to this, there could be more. Clarksville Academy, DeKalb County, Overton, Rockville, and Stewart's Creek are some of the teams that have had their seasons cut short by COVID-19. They had their games canceled this week, and then they're in quarantine and can't play playoff games next week, which is very unfortunate. And if past history tells us anything, there's probably going to be more of those teams, unfortunately, as the playoffs go on. But we've had a season. We're getting the playoffs. Uh, I think everybody would have signed up for that this summer. So let's talk about this week's games. Our, Our game of the week is Ravenwood at Independence. And this one has big Region 6-6A implications. Independence can actually win the title outright by beating Ravenwood. Ravenwood needs a few more things to go its way. They need to win this game, and they also need Centennial to upset Brentwood, which is somewhat of a long shot. And if that happens, then the Raptors get number one. But this game is going to be full of, of star players and all kinds of names to watch. One of the top guys to watch for Independence is dual-threat quarterback Jackson Campbell. He's accounted for over 2,000 yards of total offense and 24 touchdowns. I think he's a good candidate for Class 6A Mr. Football. Now, Ravenwood probably has some award winners on its side, too. Jake Brinningstool, he could be a candidate for Mr. Football as well. He's a tight end who has 32 catches for almost 700 yards and 11 touchdowns. And they've started using him at linebacker as well this year. So he's, he's all over the place for the Raptors. And Ravenwood, you know, they've got the four losses this year, but they've come to Pulaski Academy from Arkansas, Brentwood, IMG Academy, of course, the top-ranked team in the nation, and CPA. So Ravenwood, I think, is a lot better than its record says. I do think this matchup could go either way, but right now I'm leaning independent, so I picked them 30-24 to over Ravenwood. Another region title is on the line here, and this one's just straight up. Hendersonville at Mount Juliet. The winner will be the Region 4 6A champion. Hendersonville won the game last year, and they're on a roll right now, too. Uh, they, they beat Wilson Central Gallatin and Rossview earlier this month. The Commandos have a great run game with Brent Rowe, senior running back, and they give up just about 17 points per game on defense. Now, Mount Juliet also has a really good defense, too. They're only giving up about 15 points a game. But I, I don't know. I just Mount Juliet has this year been a little inconsistent. They lost to Rossview. They almost lost to Wilson Central. And so I'm going with Hendersonville. 
24-17 over Mount Juliet to get that region title. And here we go again with another championship on the line. This time it's region 5-4A. Creekwood at Springfield, the game everybody in that region has been waiting for all season. Uh, it was the region championship last year. It'll decide the title again this year. Creekwood is 9-0. Springfield is 8-1 with a, their lone loss to Marshall County. Springfield dual threat quarterback has also made significant strides as a passer this season. Um, it's his second year as a starter, and he's, he's pushing 2,000 yards of total offense and 24 touchdowns. And I just think the luck might run out here for Creekwood. Their previous nine opponents are a combined 22-53 and 53 overall, so the strength of schedule really hasn't been there for Creekwood. And I do think Springfield is the toughest team that they've had to play all year. So I like the, the Yellow Jackets to take this one 21-10, especially at home. Dustin Wilson doesn't lose at home very often. And then next up, we've got Blackman at Cookville. This game is going to decide a playoff team, and the loser is going to go home. Uh, so it doesn't get too much bigger than this. Blackman, of course, hasn't missed the playoffs in 12 years, and so it would be very disappointing if they missed it this year. But senior quarterback Drew Beam, I think, is doing everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. He threw for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns and a blowout win over Siegel last week. And the week before, Blackman rolled over Rockvale, another region win to kind of stay alive there in the standings. Cookville has Stockton Owen, a, a bruising dual-threat quarterback. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. However, I, I just not, I'm not sure about the Cavaliers. They've only played a couple games in October, had some games canceled and things like that, a bye week. Um, and the Blaze seem to be rolling right now. So I like Blackman 20, Cookville 14. Greenbrier at White House, another win-and-in scenario. The winner gets the number four seed in Region 5-4A, um, and the loser will be done. Greenbrier just lost to Springfield, but they only gave up 17 points. They've got a really good defense. Um, and speaking of defense, White House beat uh, Montgomery Central 7-0 last week. So if you like defense, there's a matchup for you right there. Um, and I do think this will be a low-scoring affair between Greenbrier and White House as well. Um, Greenbrier, they've got a quarterback now. They've got Braxton Laney. Might be their quarterback of the future. He's only a sophomore. And he's helped them already double their win total from last year. And now they're on the cusp of potentially their first playoff berth since 2017. And I, I like Greenbrier here. White House does have Rain and Blackburn. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. He's got a great junior season here and look for even more for him next year. But he missed the first half of last week's game with an injury. He didn't play the week before. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what his, his sta status is going into this one. I think that Bobcat defense is going to is going to take advantage of that, especially if he's Blackburn isn't a full go. So I'm going Greenbrier 20, White House 10. Rossview at Lebanon. I believe this wraps up uh, our do-or-die scenario games here. Both teams are coming off Region 4, 6A losses. Rossview lost to Hendersonville last week. Uh, Lebanon lost to Wilson Central. And so that sets up this winner-take-the-number-4-seed-loser-go-home situation. Rossview's got a really good offense. They have scored a bunch of points recently. And they, outside of blowout losses to Hendersonville and Lipscomb Academy, their defense is playing really well too, only giving up about 12 points a game if you take those other two big margins out. Wilson Central was able to hold Lebanon running back DeQuante Shannon to just 82 yards on 14 carries last week. And I think that's the recipe here for Rossview too. If they can keep Shannon in check... Shannon's still going to get some yards and maybe even maybe even a score or two, but if they can keep him from going crazy with the yardage, I think Rossview can, can keep their season alive and get to the playoffs. So I'm going Rossview 24, Lebanon 20. Now how about a Metro game? Hunters Lane versus Hillsborough, neutral site game at Pearl Cone. Hillsborough is still working to get its stadium ready, so it looks like that's going to be probably um, either the playoffs or potentially next season to where they, they can play at home again with all the, all the construction going on over there. I like Hillsborough right now. They've, they've won three in a row. Um, 
they can get the three seed in Region Six Five A with this with this win. Hunters Lane needs to to beat Hillsboro and have some other things go their way. Um, so that's more of a long shot. And I, I like uh, Hillsboro to, to beat Hunters Lane in this one. Hunters Lane lost to Hillwood 35-22 on October 8th, and, and Hillsboro just crushed Hillwood 47-7 to last week. So I think they might do something similar here against Hunters Lane. So I'm going Hillsboro 45, Hunters Lane 17. Now how about some private school action down in Williamson County? Lipscomb Academy at BGA. Alex Broom has been huge for Lipscomb Academy. They added him in week three when he was declared eligible after transferring from Maplewood, and he has been lights out, averaging 155 all-purpose yards per game. He scored 17 touchdowns, um, returned the opening kickoff last week against CPA to key Lipscomb Academy in that game, helping them beat CPA for the first time since 2010, and helping them clinch the Division II single-A, or double-A, excuse me, middle region title. So that was huge for them. Uh, he's been a, a good pickup. He's also a good student, too. He's picked up offers from Harvard, Princeton, and Yale recently. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Just a junior, though, so still got time to think about that. Meanwhile, BGA has had a tough year. They're kind of in rebuilding mode. They're 4-3. and three. They, they are still going to make the playoffs at the number four seed. Um, so both these teams aren't really playing for a whole lot right now. Um, it's kind of just may, they might rest some starters and just roll into the playoffs. Um, I do think Lipscomb Academy, though, will, will roll regardless. Uh, so I'm taking them 42-7 over BGA. All right, now we've got Cane Ridge at Laverne. Similar situation to the game we just talked about. These teams have already got their seeds figured out. Laverne's going to be the two seed in Region 5-6A. Laverne's going to be the number four. Um, so this, this matchup's really just about pride and building momentum ahead of the postseason, like we talked about um, in, in that Lipscomb Academy BGA game. Cane Ridge needs this victory more than Laverne does, though. They've, they've lost three of their last four contests, and I'm just not... Something seems to be missing with these guys right now. I know they started their season late, and it's hard to build chemistry and get everybody on the same page. So this might be a good game for them to do that. Laverne is going to be probably without uh, senior running back Ray Banner, who ranks third in the state uh, in rushing yards and first in rushing scores. So I think this gives the Ravens a good opportunity to kind of get their offense together, play some good defense, and and just build some confidence uh, heading into next week where they're likely going to face one of those top uh, Williamson County teams from Region 6, uh, 6A. So I'm going Raven or Cane Ridge, 35, Laverne, 14. And to wrap it all up, we've got Marshall County at Nolansville. The winner here will get the number two seed in Region 4-4A. Um, and Marshall County has kind of had to squeak out wins over Giles County and Spring Hill the last two weeks. Had a great season. They're 8-1. Trending not in a so great direction right now, though, so... To get a win at Nolensville would be good for their confidence, especially if they can um, win by a decent amount. I'm not sure that they will do that, though. Nolensville's playing well, so it's going to be up to Bryson Hammonds, that Marshall County quarterback, to keep the Marshall County offense rolling. They've scored about 35 points per game during their during their six-game win streak they've got going on right now. So look for him to have a big game, and look for Marshall County to pull this one out. 21-14. excuse me, 14. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. Thanks for joining us and come back next week and we'll talk all about the playoffs. See you then.